Pastor Brian has a whole lot to share with you today. I mean, lots, lots. So I better get started. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. We're doing a series called Un, uh, calling, uh, Untangled, and basically it's taking root from the book of Galatians. Uh, I, I, I want to just give you a couple of quick things about the book of Galatians. It was written by the Apostle Paul. It was written to a region, not just a city, but it was written to a region that is present-day Turkey. Um, predominantly, that church was Gentiles. Gentiles were anybody that was not a Jew. It was Greek. It was Romans. It was all kinds of different people. Uh, and so this, the Apostle Paul had gone to the region of Galatia. He had established a church and then he put in the place, uh, uh, in, in place leadership in that church. And the church was coming under some problems. And Paul says this in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. He says, stand fast therefore. Because of what he shared in the first four chapters, he said, now because of this, I want you to stand firm. I want you to be, uh, you know, stalwart. I want you to be ready. Stand stand. Stand therefore in the liberty with, by, by with, wherewith Christ has made us free and don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't be tangled up with the yoke of bondage. And so I was thinking in, in light of Father's Day, um, story of a dad, some of you are familiar with this and of course Pastor Brian has to embellish it because he's had caffeine. And so... Um, his dad was kind of bothered by his children. His kids were always messing up and doing some stuff. And, but they would always say, come on, dad, it's not that bad. It was just a little bit. Just, it's not that bad. And so one day he was thinking about that. How do I help them? How do I help them understand? And he's looking out the window as he's thinking about these things. He notices his dog in the backyard. And his dog is doing what dogs do. He's doing his business. And he gets an idea. And so he goes out there and gets the business. And he's, he, he, he's going to make you know brownies from scratch. So he gets the box out of the cupboard and he starts to make brownies and he mixes into the brownies the business of the dog. He puts some dog poop in the brownies and he whips it all up real good, puts it in the oven. He's got some vanilla ice cream and the stuff is done and the kids are like, man, what's that? It smells so good. Oh, I have brownies. Dad's like, hey, there's brownies. I got some ice cream brownies. You guys want brownies and ice cream? It's still warm. Brownies are warm. It's going to melt all. It's going to be so good. And they're like, oh yeah, Dad, we want some brownies. Yeah, they're so good. And so he's cutting the brownies. He goes, by the way, guys, I just want you to understand one thing. There's a special ingredient in here. What, Dad? What? It's dog poop. But it's just a little bit. It's just a little bit of dog poop. Now, obviously, those kids didn't want, to eat the, didn't want to eat the brownie because it had just a little bit of dog poop in it. Now, the reason I share that is because, in a sense, that's what's going on in the church at Galatia. The apostle Paul came, and he preached Christ. He preached Jesus. In fact, one translation of it says, I presented Christ to you as, as, as crucified. It was almost as if you saw the very picture of Jesus on the cross. He said, I poured out my heart as it relates to what it means to have faith in in Christ, what Jesus did for us. I preached the purity of the gospel as God revealed it to me. But now there's some religious Jews. They were called Judaizers. They had come from Jerusalem and they had come to the region of Galatia. And we find this in Acts chapter 15 as well as in the book of Galatians. And they, they came to Galatia and they said, well, that's great that you're saved. Great that you know Jesus. But if you really, really want to be saved, you have to be circumcised and follow the law of Moses. 
And if you are circumcised, and if you follow the law of Moses, then you can be a Christian. But if you don't do those things, you're really not saved. You're really not a Christian. And so when Paul said, I, I, I'm, I want you to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free and don't be tangled again with the yoke of bondage, the yoke of bondage was what we refer to as legalism. Legalism is this idea that we need to add something to the grace of God in order to be spiritual or in order to be born again. I have to add something to faith and grace that wasn't necessarily intended. And in the next two weeks, we'll follow this up with some, I think, some very, very important things. And so Monday I had, which is kind of rare for me, I had my, everything done. I had my sermon done. I knew what I was going to say. Thursday, Wednesday morning I woke up, or actually Thursday morning I woke up at 2.30 in the morning and I was just thinking, just kind of meditating and, and I just felt that I needed to change some things because I, this is so important for me for, to help you understand. And I know some of you, maybe this is like old news, but for a lot of people, I think that one of the greatest misunderstandings that we have is what we're going to be talking about this morning. I ended at a particular place last week and I'm gonna, I, I wanna read this scripture and then we're gonna pick up from, from there and I, I'm gonna kind of, if you were here, I would say this to you. <laughs> if you. If this is one of your first Sundays, you missed the last couple of Sundays, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the first two parts of this message. I think it is some of the most foundational, some of the most, uh, uh, it, it, it is so important because it will build something into you. It'll change your life when you begin to get these principles. We're encouraging you in your first 15 Five minutes of prayer, five minutes of Bible reading, five minutes of worship. In those first 15, I'm encouraging you on Monday, read chapter one of the book of Galatians. On Tuesday, read chapter two and through the end of the week. Six chapters by Saturday, you will have read the book of Galatians. Come to church on Sunday, hear a little bit about it. And then on Monday, start the book of Galatians again, but do it in another translation. That will help you just, just build it into you. There's nothing, man, there's nothing more, more powerful than the word of God in your life. So I, wanna, I want to... I want to read this scripture to you. This is what we're going to talk about this morning. Galatians 3.13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham or the promises to Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Now, this was part of the huge controversy. This is when Paul would go, he would preach his revelation. That's, this is the revelation. It was all about what Jesus did from the time of the cross his death, burial, resurrection, until the time that he was seated at the right hand of God. That was, that was his, his revelation. Now, the Jewish mind understood that anybody, they'd go to Ancestry.com, and if they could list Abraham as their father, then they were a Jew. They were, the Jews were those who, who came from the line of Abraham. Everybody else was a Gentile. And so for Paul to say this, for Paul to, to, to mention this when he says, uh, uh, it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Paul goes back and forth between these two things. Keeping the law or the spirit of faith. Do we keep the law or do we operate by faith? Is it grace and faith or is it the law? And so when we see these things, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. And so Jesus, are you over here? There Where'd Jesus go? I need Jesus. There he is back in the back. Come on, Jesus. All right, I need, I, I want to set this up again this way, and I, why don't we have creation and Abraham and, and Moses? 
I want you guys all come up here. Because you're going to be up here pretty much the whole service. I, we, we put stools here for you. And I was like, this is, <laughs> this is my little disclaimer. It's Father's Day, so cut me a break, okay? Because this is either going to work out really awesome and you're going to really understand, or it's going to be like, oh, that was stupid. So I'm hoping for the former. I'm hoping that this will help you to understand. And so Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. We know that Jesus is the redeemer. Jesus is the one who, who, who gave us life. He took his sin, took our sin upon himself. And so last week we were talking about some of these things in Galatians chapter 2 and into Galatians chapter 3. And we talked about this. We talked about creation. God created Adam and he created Eve. And in the garden, when God created Adam and Eve, he said there's two trees that were in the garden. And those two trees were really the idea that there's two approaches to God. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And when, when, when the devil came to Eve and tempted her, Went through this whole thing in, in, Galatians, in Genesis chapter uh, 2 and chapter 3, but verse 5 of chapter 3 said, God knows that when you eat uh, from it, from the tree, that your eyes will be opened, you will be like God, and you will know good and evil. When your eyes are opened, you will be like God. We sometimes think that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is really this idea that you're either going to choose to be a good person or be a bad person. That's not what that is. What the enemy was appealing to Eve as, he was appealing to her identity of, I want to be like God. You see, he said, if you want to be like God, do this. If you want to be like God, then eat from this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that sets up some of the idea in the book of Galatians. How do I become godly? Do I become godly by faith in Christ? Or do I become godly because I'm keeping the law? Do I become godly because of grace and faith or do I become godly because I'm getting circumcised? And again, this idea, it was the idea of salvation. Am I saved by works or am I saved by grace and faith? But also Paul says, we'll see this today, we'll see this next week. How do I grow in faith? How do I grow in Christ? Or how do I become mature? Is it because I keep the law or is it because I have faith in Christ? And so in the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, I think that we have a great misunderstanding of what sin really is. We think of it as wrong conduct, and, 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 and that's an idea of sin, but really the wrong conduct is the fruit of sin. Sin is a nature, and, and so when Adam and Eve sinned, we, we'll find this out, that sin brought death, not just physical death, and I like this, I like this idea that death is separation. When a person dies physically, they're separated from this life. Their body ceases to function. Their body doesn't work anymore. The body stops. But the real you, your spirit is alive. And it's going to exist forever. It is made in the image of God. And God is eternal. And so is your spirit. But in the garden... God had put everything into Adam that he had wanted humanity to become. Put his very life and his nature inside. The shirt that Chris is wearing today is exactly right. I don't know that God has a DNA, but if God has DNA, the exact same DNA that was in God was in Adam. And his intention, God's intention, was that Adam and Eve would, would, would fill the earth with people just like Adam and Eve. That's in, in, in Genesis chapter 5. I want you to fill the earth with people just like yourself. 
But something happened. When they sinned or when they disobeyed God, when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, a nature entered into their spirit. Their spirit was changed. I sometimes say that it is the new birth in reverse. They were born again. And if, I don't know if Satan has DNA, but if he did, and if you could look at Satan's DNA and you looked at Adam and Eve after the fall, that same, that would be the same DNA. They had the same, very, very same nature. Well, when sin entered in, we find that sin in its entrance brought poverty, sickness, death, guilt, and shame. Those were all things that God never intended this is all through the Bible. There are things that God never intended for humans to experience. But when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it gave birth to all of these things. So that was the condition of humanity at that point. And so when Paul's writing to the church in Galatia and the Judaizers, the religious Jews are coming, later Peter comes. I really wanted to geek out about that because it's one of the most amazing portions, I think, of Scripture because the Apostle Paul says, I was so mad at Peter, I withstood him to his face because he was wrong. He was in, the, imagine telling Peter, the, one of the pillars of the church, Peter, you were wrong the way that you did that in front of everybody. It's pretty cool stuff but not for today. So then we read in Galatians chapter three and verse six, in the same way, in the same way, Abraham believed God, faith. He believed God and God counted him as righteous, righteous because of faith. So we have Abraham comes on the scene. I mentioned earlier, God looking through the entire earth. I want to, I need, I've been separated from my creation. Sin has separated us now. And, and, and I don't have the inroad that I had before. I've got to figure out how I can get back into the earth. And so he finds a man by the name of, actually it was Abram at the time, but he finds Abram. He comes to Abram and he appears to him and says, Abraham, I'll tell you what, make a deal with you. It's actually a covenant. It's an agreement, a contract. And he said, if you walk right before me and if you do what I tell you to do, a lot of other things, but if you do those things, I'm going to bless you. Bless your socks right off. You're going to have descendants. You're going to have children. You look at the stars in the sky, guess what? That's how many kids you're going to have. You look at the, sea, the, the sand on the seashore, that's how many kids you're going to have. Now, Abraham had a problem. He, had, he and his wife, they couldn't conceive. They couldn't have kids. God didn't do his homework. <laughs> he picked somebody that couldn't have kids to be the father of, of, of many nations. Now, this is all in the book of Galatians also. Abraham got ahead of God. He said, all right, God, I'm going to tell you what. I know you have a promise for me, and I'm, I'm tired of waiting because it took about 25 years for the promise to come to pass. But I'm tired of waiting, so I'm going to take matters into my own hand. Actually, Sarah was the one. Why don't, you just, why don't you just take, and this is back in the day, weird, I know. But anyway, why don't you just take Hagar, take her, and, and have a child by her, and that can be the promise. Well, that is trying to do God's will and God's way by our own human effort. That's legalism. That is religion. We're trying to reach God by, by our own efforts. And that's what Paul was writing about in the book of Galatians. And so God brought an, a, a promise to Abraham. And so God said, Abraham, if you believe, if you walk, if you do the things I tell you to do, I'm going to bless you. You are going to be so blessed. It will, I'm just always going to be, you will always have my favor. You're always going to be blessed. <clears throat> So you know what Abraham said? Okay, I believe you. 
I trust that you're going to do what you said that you would do. Now, he and his descendants, they didn't always do everything perfect. They didn't always do everything right. But they still were blessed by God. And the way that they were blessed by God (coughs) was because of faith. And so, Abraham receives the promise. He receives the blessing. (coughs) Excuse me. I didn't mean to cough right on your ear there. I just coughed into my hand. Then I rubbed your shoulder. That was even better. Sorry about that too. All right. So, 430 years later, Moses comes on the scene. And when Moses comes on the scene, we know that Moses is the law giver. God gave the law to Moses. And listen to what it says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10. Galatians 3.10 says, But those who depend on the law, that which... God gave to them. Those that depend upon the law to make them right with God are under the curse or under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands. Everybody say all the commands. If you don't obey all the commands that are written in in God's book of the law. And so when God, and I think that, excuse me guys, I'm going to excuse you for a minute. When my elbows are clean. When, when God gave Moses the law, we think of the law as just the Ten Commandments. How many of you have been able to keep all Ten Commandments every day of your life? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well played, well played. I like it when a guy stays in character. Oh my goodness gracious. I love my church. (laughs) All right. We think of the law as just the Ten Commandments, but there are really three components of the law of Moses. Number one was the moral law. The moral law law was the do's and the don'ts. It was the Ten Commandments. These are the things that you should do. These are the things that you shouldn't do. But here's what you all proved out other than Jesus. We, We all proved out we can't keep the law. It's impossible. We might do kind of good. We might not be that bad. We might sort of work kind of like, you know, we're not that bad. But we can't keep the law. And God knew that. God knew that we would not be able to keep the law. So the second part of the law is what we refer to as shadow Christology, which is images or pictures. I call it object lessons of what Jesus came to do. Because God knew that we couldn't keep the law, he he then instituted a system of sacrifices. That was the blood sacrifices that we read about in the Old Testament. The Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission or no forgiveness of sin. If we had more time, I'd go back over to the book of Hebrews. Because this is the problem of trying to live under the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because the writer of Hebrews says that the same sacrifices year after year, they're given, they're offered, but they don't, they don't fix the problem. They have to be offered again and again. And that's the, the idea of, of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you do this, you will be like God. Is that we have to keep doing. We have to keep doing. We have to keep trying to measure up and we are never fulfilled. We are never satisfied. We've never come to a place of, of completeness or rest because we don't understand that we're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so the last part of the law of Moses, we have the moral law, shadow Christology, and then it's, it is the, the social law, that is the, the dietary stuff, don't eat this, eat that, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, how to treat the land and all those other things like that. So that was the social law. Now, 
the law is unique in this. The law brought with, a, with it a blessing and a cursing. And I want to read this to you this morning because I want you to, I want you to get the full gravity of it. In Exodus or Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 4, Moses is on the mountain. He's talking to all the people and he's about to, they're, they're, they're getting the law. And it says this, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all of his commands that I'm giving to you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your talents and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and your flocks will be blessed. And then he goes on and in verse, uh, uh, go ahead, verse 13. He says, if you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving to you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you you're the head and not the tail. You will be always on top and never on the bottom. How many of you would like to have that blessing? I mean, you're always on top. You're never on the bottom. God is going to bless whatever your hand touches. You're going to be blessed when you come in. You're going to be blessed when you go out. How many of you want that blessing again? Here's the deal. It's impossible. You will never get it. It's impossible to get because you can't keep the law. You will always be in violation of the law. And because you're in violation of the law, he didn't just stop there. Here's all the blessings if you can keep the law, but there's a problem. You can't keep the law. But if you could keep the law, here's the blessings. Goes on. Go ahead, next one. Deuteronomy chapter, oh, James chapter 2 verse 10. Thank you. For the person who keeps all of the law, except one, is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. How many of you have ever heard, well, I'm not really that bad? Anyone ever said that? Well, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Can I tell you something? So-and-so is not your standard. Your goal is not to live up to so-and-so. Your goal is to live up to Jesus. That's the goal. The goal of the Christian life is to be like Christ. It's to be like Jesus. And James comes along and says, you know what? If you, did you know there's 614 laws? 614 laws? And if you kept 613 of the 614, but you broke one of them, James says, you are guilty of all of them. So, I don't know. If you're just living by the, well, you know, I'm not that bad, you might as well go big. I say, you might as well go big. Because if you just, now I'm not encouraging you to do that, trust me. I'm, not, I'm trying to help you to understand something. We're playing around. I'm not that bad. Yeah, you are. You're, you're terrible. If you break any one of the laws, you broke them all. And here's what you get. Here's your prize. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15. If you refuse to, the listen, to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commands and the decrees that I'm giving to you today, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. Your towns and your fields will be cursed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards, or today it would be charcuterie boards, will be cursed. Your children and your crops will be cursed. The offspring of your herds and your flocks will be cursed. Go on. He finishes it up in verse 65. There among those nations you will find no peace, no rest. And the Lord will cause your hearts to tremble, your eyesight to fail, and your soul to despair. Your life will constantly hang in the balance. You will live night and day in fear, unsure if you will survive. In the morning you'll say, if only it were night. And in the evening you will say, if only it were morning. For you will be terrified by the awful horrors that you see among you. 
That does not sound like a great deal, does it? In fact, that kind of makes me want to not break the law. But I have a problem. And that problem is, I can't keep the law. And so, what does God do? And this is the question we asked last week, and I, wanna, I want to ask the question again. If that is the case, if sin and death entered in the garden, but God made a promise to Abraham, and then he brought the law, what was the purpose of the law? Galatians chapter 3 and verse 19, why then was the law given? I mean, Abraham and his descendants didn't do everything perfect, but they were blessed. But why was the law given? The law was given for a very specific reason, and I wanted to go over this again because I just didn't feel like we did a good enough job, and I wanted to take another, wow, another step. And it's this. Go to Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered into the world. And it says this, sin entered into the world, Adam's sin brought death. Not just, it did bring physical death, but not just physical death. It brought separation from God. It brought with it poverty, sickness, death, shame, guilt, all these other things. And it says, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned. Go ahead, Moses. Man, we ran out of sin and death. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you just need to sit a little bit closer. <laughs> I guess I should have checked to see how long that ribbon was. All right. <laughs> there we go. Well, Jesus, you don't, you don't get that yet anyway, so. You haven't, you're not on the scene yet. All right, I'm going to try this one more time. Meanwhile, back at the sermon. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered into the world. This is Paul, so awesome the way he writes this. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. Every human being alive was now under the curse, under the fall of, of the garden. Every single person alive had that law of sin and death working on the inside of them. Verse 13, yes, people sinned even before the law was given. People sinned even before, I would say this, even before there was a law to be broken, people were breaking the law. It says it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to Moses. See, people thought that Moses was kind of the linchpin, that Moses was the, he, as the lawgiver and the, the Ten Commandments and all that stuff, they, they placed a lot of weight on, sorry, they placed, placed a lot of weight on, on, on Moses and his life and, and all of those things. But what Paul is trying to get people to understand is that the law of sin and death was working through all of humanity even before the law was given. It says, Paul goes on and he says, it worked from the time of Adam to Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit, explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol a type, a shadow, a object lesson. Adam is a symbol or a representation of Christ who was yet to come. Jesus was not yet on the scene. Now Jesus later said, I've come to fulfill. I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. Jesus kept the Ten Commandments, only human, to ever keep the, all of the Ten Commandments. 
And then in his death and his burial, his resurrection, he fulfilled the shadow Christology, the images, the types. He was the Lamb of God who was slain from the beginnings of this world. So he is a type, he is a shadow, he is a picture of what was to come. Verse 19 says, because one person disobeyed God, because Adam in the garden disobeyed God. I call it God's one man plan. God put everything into Adam and, and that he wanted humanity to be. Again, the DNA, his own nature in them. Because his plan was Adam and Eve would, would recreate, replenish the earth. But unfortunately, sin entered in. And when sin entered in, humanity became corrupt. The spirit of man now was corrupted. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. All have sinned, it says in the book of Romans. All have sinned. Everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because the nature on the inside of them is contrary to God. The nature on the inside cannot keep the law. It cannot keep, it can't do righteous things. It is impossible. Verse 20. Here's why the law was given. God's law was given so that people could see. Everybody say, see. The law was given so that we could see. The law was given so that we could see how sinful they were. Again, it was to reveal something. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all the people, how did it rule? We were powerless to obey. We were powerless to do right. We were powerless to do the things that we knew that we should do. It says it brought them to death, but now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in the eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, here's what I want you to see. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus took the, the nature of sin upon himself. And he went back. He didn't just go back to the law. He didn't just go back to, to Moses. He didn't just go back to those things. But he went back to Abraham. He went back to all of those people. All the way back to the garden. And he took the nature of sin upon himself. And as if I was in children's ministry, that would be flash paper. And I would light a match and it would go, and it'd be gone. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus took sin he took a nature upon himself and God judged that sin on Calvary's cross. Which is why, again, it says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree or, or hangs on the cross. But why did he do that? So that the blessing, so that the blessing of Abraham could come upon you and me. You see, God took, or Jesus fulfilled the law and he took the curse upon himself. Jesus took sin and death and separation and poverty and shame and sickness. But the thing he didn't take was the promise, the blessing. He didn't take that. He left that intact. He said, I've done those things. I've taken the law. I've taken that curse so that I can leave the promise. And so that that promise wouldn't just be for the Jew, but it would be for the Gentile alike. He said that it might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. How? By faith. I don't receive the promise. I don't receive the blessing. I don't receive it because I'm trying hard to be pleasing to God. Pastor John reminded me of something that was preached a long time ago. And, and, and this person said this, I don't, I don't do righteous things to try to become righteous. I do good things because I am righteous. 
I need to understand that when Jesus took the curse upon himself and he defeated death and hell and the grave, the law of sin and death, and now he gave me a brand new life. And it is by that life that we now live. And so when he says, uh, then he says in Galatians 3.14, it is through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing. The same blessing that he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. I think John was kind of echoing this. John in 1 John, he said, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? Who is he? John said, the person that overcomes the world is the person that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. How many of you, do, how many of you this morning believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you realize this morning, well, I don't feel like it, Pastor Brian. It doesn't matter what you feel like. You're more than a conqueror. Not because of what you're doing, not because of what's going on in your life, but because of who's on the inside of you. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in this world. And when Paul said this, that, that we would receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith, through faith, your faith, your believing is powerful enough to change your life, to change your destiny, to change everything about you. Jesus took the curse, but he left the blessing. He took poverty. He took shame. He took sickness. He took guilt. He took condemnation. He took all of those things upon himself. Romans or 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that, that Jesus became sin for us so that we who knew no, or Jesus became sin for us. Jesus who knew no sin, sorry, was made to be sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And I get that righteousness. Why? Because I believe. I get right standing with God because I believe. I get right standing with God because I believe. Galatians 3.29 says this, and now that you belong to Christ. How do you belong to Christ? Did you belong to Christ because of works or because of faith? You belong to Christ because of faith. And because you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. God's promise to Abraham belongs to every single one of you and me. Our faith, this is amazing. Our faith makes the difference. And I think that's a lot different ask you to stand with me. I think that that is, and thank you guys, you can be seated. Kept you up there a long time, but you did good. Feel free to take that stuff home with you. Those are your little reminders. <laughs> I know that I unpacked a lot this morning. I would encourage you, read the book of Galatians. Go through it again this week. Take some time with it prayerfully consider the things that Paul is talking about. I, I'm going to do a small group in the fall. We'll go through the book of Galatians again just because it's such an important, important book. Um, understanding what it is. With your heads bowed, with your eyes closed this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus. <sighs> Father, open our hearts, open our eyes, open our minds. Help us see. Help us to see. Help us to see how powerful your grace is in us. Help us to see the power of faith. Father, our lives are changed. Not because we're trying hard, but our lives are changed because we believe. 
Oh, Father, help us to see who we are right now that we are the righteousness of God, that we enjoy right standing with you and we can come before your throne of grace and find mercy in our time of need. Father, we recognize that just like we are powerless, we were powerless against the law of sin and death, you've removed it by the sacrifice of Jesus. And now we reign in this life because of the power of grace in our life. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus your Savior, maybe you've seen and understand something you've never seen or understood before and you've been trying to be good. We aren't successful by trying to be good. We're successful in God when we surrender to God and we submit to his ways and by faith we receive Jesus as the Lord of our life. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and you would like to today, would you lift your hand up real high? I want to lead you in a very simple, quick prayer. Anyone at all, say, Pastor... I, I need Jesus in my life. I want to be born again. Anyone at all? Hallelujah. Yes, thank you for that hand. Anyone else this morning? Anyone else this morning? Praise God. Let's all pray this together. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you today. I recognize there's something working on the inside of me called sin. I need a Savior. So Jesus, I believe. I believe you died for me. I believe that you rose again. You're alive today. And I thank you that because your blood was shed, my sin is forgiven. So I receive you today as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for this congregation. I ask you to bless them. I thank you that, Father, you have already blessed them with Abraham's blessing. And so, Father, I thank you that when they leave this place, they go out into this community, that they walk with your spirit, they walk with your grace, they walk by faith and not by sight. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. And everyone say it. Amen. God bless you, Joy Christian Center. Happy Father's Day.